0: because there's a lot of running films out there. No doubt there are beautiful mountain films and and coastal films and desert films, but I feel like we glorify running and it's very aesthetically pleasing and the runner's always got a beautiful stride and super happy. And yes, that's an aspect, but it, it's like in my decade in the sport, there's always been moments of, that's not what it looks like. And I wanted to show that.
1: hi everyone so it's early morning here in italy and late afternoon in melbourne australia where the wonderful lucy bartholomew lives. today i'm just very thankful for the opportunity to sit down and talk to her Uh, it's actually the first time we meet even if it's just through a computer screen for the moment and as you As many of you know, Lucy is only 25 years old, so she's four years younger than me, but she's been in the sport of ultra running for over a decade now. The main reason why we got in touch and decided to record this podcast was that she just released uh, a new movie, which is called Running Out, and and tells the story of Lucy running the Lara Pinto trail. The Lara Pinto trail, is a 231-kilometer trail running from Mount Sonder to Alice Spring in the wild Australian outback in a region named Australian Northern Territory, if I'm correct. Alice Spring, just to put that into context, is about 1,500 kilometers from two of the biggest and most well-known Australian cities, which are Darwin and Adelaide. So it's like, really really in the middle of nowhere and the lara Pinto trail goes through some of the world's most remote and ancient plates and that's where the movie running out takes place and that's what we will ask lucy and kind of try to go in into detail the movie um actually reminded me a little bit about jimmy Chin's movie featuring alex Arnold in free solo because like I think it's not so common to see a movie from a sort of niche sport like climbing or trail running even though they're becoming more popular so i'm very glad that lucy took the chance to tell her story this story to share what trail running can be about to show her home country uh, all the beautiful places that the movie brings us through so let's just dive straight into that and please welcome the wonderful lucy Bartolview. Ciao, Lucy.
0: Hi. Thank you so much. I know that uh, Brian Hines, who put together Running Out, will be incredibly uh, pleased to be um, thinking about like Jimmy Chin's movie. So I think he will be incredibly happy with that opening.
1: <laughs> yeah, like uh, that's one of the the main thoughts that I had after watching the movie, and also after I watched Free Solo. Like. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever end up in, in Hollywood, but you know, it's it's kind of cool to have a movie from our sport and to go, like we don't have to compare that to Free Solo, which is like very famous, but it was kind of cool to, you know, uh, just watch it and think about it in, in this way.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that a lot. I think, you know, I know that Brian did um use a lot of kind of inspiration from Jimmy Chin. And I think Free Solo with Alex Honnold, I know this is not about his movie, but I think that what I loved and resonated so much with his movie was how raw and honest, and you know, there was ups and there was downs and there was hardship and then there was success. And I think that what I really wanted to present in this movie was show that whole journey and be completely honest and raw about it because there's a lot of running films out there. No doubt there are beautiful mountain films and and coastal films and desert films, but I feel like we glorify running and it's very aesthetically pleasing and the runner's always got a beautiful stride and super happy. And yes, that's an aspect, but it's like in my decade in the sport, there's always been moments of, that's not what it looks like. And I wanted to show that
1: yeah and it definitely shows so we're gonna go straight into that uh like uh, not tell too much about it because we want our uh listeners to kind of get interested and uh, go and watch the movie <laughs> but uh yeah um first of all i would like to ask you like how you're doing and what you've been up to recently besides um Probably, you know, uh, receiving some great feedback about the movie and having to attend some meeting and respond to all the people texting you about the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. It's, um, you know, since doing The Lyra Pinscher back in March, it's been this... know crazy journey of creating this film and putting it together and it felt like the longest ultra of my life just watching myself back and back again and um and we haven't had races in Australia so it's kind of not a lot to distract me I've been uh, I was running afterwards but not so much and then we had the release on November 2 which was you know, you never know what it's gonna, the reaction's gonna be. And it's very vulnerable to put something out there that, like I said, is just so me. You know, it's, I think on Instagram, we can curate how we're presented. Um, we can curate what we say, we can edit, we can delete comments. Um, but this film is, you know, a very personal to me. And it was a dream of mine that I brought to life and it didn't go amazingly, but it didn't go badly. Um, and I think that what I really wanted to make sure people knew before it went out was that I take myself to a pretty deep hole in the movie, but I'm not trying to say that this is what you need to do to do something cool and amazing. Um, and I kind of wanted to just be really um, aware of the fact that this was a, yeah, it's a challenging thing that I did and I was... Um, Yeah, I just kind of really wanted to make sure that 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 message came across. And then the response has been just so positive and so beautiful. Um, My story on Instagram is just resharing of people watching it all around the world, you know, with their dogs, with a meal, with their friends. And I just, you know, I'm sure it's tedious to click through because you're like, okay, Lucy, we get it. (laughs) But I'm just like, I appreciate so much that people would take a photo and tag and give me their feedback and you know, for some people, it's like it got me out the door. Um, for some people, it was like it made me want to visit Australia. And that's exactly what it's for. You know, I just want yeah. you. I just want to inspire um, and kind of say that you can do things and to back yourself. And, you know, it, it goes a long way just to believe in in yourself and your team.
1: Yeah, this is this is pretty awesome. And uh, I think it really stands out from, from the movie, as I said, like uh, yesterday I was watching it and like I, I encourage all the people to go and watch it. It's uh, it's great. It gives you a uh, a really nice feeling of you know the purpose and the the why you did that, and uh, it's a great message. On on an interview that you released for like the Wind Magazine, I read you said, "I didn't need to chase a bib, but maybe chase my curiosity." I saw an opportunity to do something different in a year that was so incredibly different to the last nine years I've been in the sport. I wanted to go back on how I started running into an unknown territory that breaks you down and builds you up. I wanted to remind myself what this sport is about, the people, places, and my passion, not bibs, racing and times. I was drawn to the Larapinta track for many more reasons than the actual running aspect. so um, as a, as you put uh, on a comment on an Instagram post that Kirsten did for but Run, uh, you would you wrote like uh, my question is why? <laughs> like uh, we were asking our, our users um, for questions for about the movie, and <laughs> you commented your own post, basically so why where does where did this idea came from and like you explained a little bit already but can you like bring us through where this project was born and the people that uh, helped you uh, put it together and just create this uh, this awesome project
0: yeah, definitely. So when I started running, going back to when I was 15 years old in 2012, I ran a hundred kilometers side by side with my dad. And I didn't do it to come first, to, to be fast. I did it because I was curious and I loved spending time with my dad. And, you know, it was something for 12 and a half hours, all that mattered was us running, eating, drinking, and moving through this course. And for the first few years of my career, that's what I did. I chased, I said yes to anything. I did all the races. I was road, track, trail, mountain, desert, coast. I was there and I loved it. When things got more serious and I picked up like a sponsorship and I had um, obligations, I felt that there was a shift towards, like I felt so much pressure that I was hesitant to do things that did chase my curiosity in case, you know, maybe it affected something that like someone else wanted me to do better and focus on more and so when 20 when I finished third place at Western States in 2018 life changed for me in terms of my growing on my following on Instagram grew exponentially and all these people were kind of like oh you know she's going to race and win all the time and it really got to me in 2019 I will happily say that I completely imploded. Uh, Mentally, physically, hormonally, spiritually, everything kind of hit a pretty dark place, a pretty challenging um, place for anyone to navigate. And I was blessed. I was really lucky that when COVID came, I was like, this is amazing. I don't have to race. I don't have to travel. I can sit here, sort myself out and like ask myself why I'm doing this because I was waking up in the morning and I was like I have to run or I need to run it wasn't I wanted to run and when I kind of asked myself you know do you want to do this why are you doing this go to university go sit at a desk do something normal and when I thought of this Lyra Pinter idea it was the the one thing that was just like Yes, like this is cool and this is what I love. And I want to I love running, but I love running for bringing community together and exploring places. And when you put a time on it and a bib and competitors and expectations, I feel like it sheds a little bit of joy. So I think for me, you know, I never put out that I was going to run the whole thing. I just saw a um, a break in our two lockdowns or our seven lockdowns and was like, all right, Josh, Brian, two mates, let's get in the car quickly. Let's drive. Let's run as far as we can. Let's go as fast as we can. And let's just, I just wanted to go back to 15 year old Lucy's like, 100K is a long way, but I'm going to do it. And it was like, 230K is a long way, but I could do it, you know? And just wanted to, go back to that route of running for curiosity for people for place and not places being locations not place in the rankings um because i was kind of getting burnt out by all of that
1: yeah yeah i i understand and i think the the movie itself uh tells a little bit about this story in a like in a shorter time because there is uh moments of like joy and great positivity, and also moments where things gets, get things get hard, and you kind of go through a dark hole, as you said, uh, also in the movie. So <laughs> it tells a little bit the story of the last ten years that you've lived, I think. Um, and then, like, there is the aspect. Well, trail running is, of course. Uh, part of it is about racing is about competition is about the community that is around this uh this world and part of it like is our own way to leave the trail to feel mm, reconnected with the nature and the places that we run through which i think is is super important and we should never forget about it because it's not like we're running a track or we work out in a gym we're out there in the nature and that is something that we, like, it's one of the main values, I think, of, of what we do.
0: Definitely, I think the Alice Springs area is incredibly indigenous um, and it's got incredible history. And I think that as an Australian, I we stick to the with the coastlines. Melbourne's on the coast, Sydney's on the coast, Adelaide's on the coast. And I'd always kind of like there is, Australia is a big country and there is a lot of land in the middle. And I wanted to see what was out there, and to, to run the lyre into track, you have to release yourself to the elements. You have to just be so calm and collected because you get thrown so many things. And, you know, we show a lot of those things in the film. Um, you've got the heat, you've got the cold, you've got the animals, you've got the navigation, you've got like your own safety, you've got to eat, you've got to drink, do you sleep, do you not? And it's kind of this, you know, you're just, you've got to just, at some point just take a deep breath and be like wow like i am out here and i'm like out out here and that's like such a beautiful thing to be because for some people they get out of bed they get in a the car they go sit at a desk they get back in the car they get to home they eat their dinner they go to bed and i for 3 days all i did was run through those days when those people were getting in the car i was just taking steps forward when they're sitting at their desk i was taking my steps forward and to think about that—that that is such a gift and a privilege that I, yeah, I just kind of will never be able to fully appreciate. I don't think because um, it was such a beautiful experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, like a uh, it, the the inner Australia, uh, the desert, the uh, all the places that you, you ran through, kind of uh, give us an idea of how wild and big the place is um it's it's the middle of australia what was the the weather like the climate that you found during your run and like can you tell us some detail some more details about it
0: yeah definitely so the incredible thing about when this when we did the run and this film takes place is that The Lyra Pinter and Alice Springs, the Northern Territory, whatever you want to call it, is known for being super dry, really hot, very iconic Australia, red soil. It's what you see in all the tourism stuff here, kangaroos, emus, uh, just hanging out. And when we went to Alice Springs, there had been this massive amount of rainfall previous to us arriving. And so what were usually completely dry riverbeds that the Lyra Pinta goes through, we actually have um, waist deep up to kind of shoulder deep water, which is just unreal for out there. And it meant that a lot of the grasses grew really quickly and it became really green. And I remember us driving in and we were like, this isn't what we expected. Um, but it was so beautiful. It was so lush and it felt really kind of fresh. Um, so the temperatures when I was running was about 32 degrees Celsius. Wow. So pretty warm. Yeah. And then at night, (laughs) at night was maybe like 17 to 18 degrees. So pretty mild. So I didn't need to put on a jacket or anything. Um, and, yeah we had through the nights it was a full moon for like or ninety nine and then hundred and then it got it waning at the end, um which was an incredible experience to to not be in complete darkness and to have a, a big moon over you out there was incredible,
1: yeah yeah it, it reminds me a little bit about the weather that I found in El Hierro. the last race that I did. it was incredibly hot uh for for a competition. Uh, so like to be running for that long in such a warm weather, it must be like super challenging in terms of, uh, you know, heat management, hydration and nutrition and, and everything at cool Um, I think one of the most difficult parts that you found is this challenge was the, the navigation and the technicality of the trail, uh, from the movie, it's, it's pretty clear, um, not getting lost was one of the main thing, especially during nights and also, um, some parts of the trail were really technical. Uh, you call the trail unrelenting because like it doesn't give you any solace basically. Um, I remember for example, when you were running on the Razorback, uh, ridge, it was like a super rocky and steep uh ridge on this gorge um like it's it's really technical for being a 230 or more kilometer trail um did you expect it to be so like a difficult to run and uh, did you feel like you were prepared for it or was it uh like of course it was a big challenge but Probably more than you expected.
0: Absolutely. Um, I was blissfully unaware, I think, of how technical and challenging and unrelenting this trail was. Um, you know, I we, we had to push back the date we started due to weather and we went out and actually wrecked some of it. and by some of it of 230 kilometers I saw five kilometers but I was like oh this is this gets me like a good idea I saw probably the best five kilometers of it <laughs> um and it was I think when I look back on it I think for 230 kilometers and side note I ran 250 kilometers because I got lost for a half yeah. an hour <laughs> and it was kind of it, it was, was incredible. the bonus. <laughs> yeah more miles more smiles out there <laughs> what's a half marathon in 54 hours oh, yeah. when you're running for so long <laughs> um so the I final time that... was
1: uh 54 hours right
0: correct yeah. yeah so
1: that's two days and six hours wow
0: yeah and i slept for three minutes in that um yeah So I think that what challenged me the most was the technicality was just for so long. And I think that physically I was fine. You know, I've been training for like 10 years to kind of be able to take this on. But the mental side, to be so mentally aware of picking where to put your feet and to navigate and to eat and to drink by yourself in the hot heat. I mean, no one should make a decision when they're really hot and bothered and covered in flies and dehydrated like that's just not a state to be saying north south east or west um and so I think I just mentally fatigued so early on um because I wasn't prepared to be so switched on and to have to keep pulling out my phone and having a map and navigating and what I actually found you say the night time the night scared me the most but navigationally, it was the easiest to get through because my headlight would look up the hill and I could see the trail markers light up and reflect so I kind of was like that's the gist of where I'm going I don't know if I actually take the right path but it's all rocks who cares <laughs> um And then at night, also, one of the beautiful things that I found about running at night, um, and this is what my dad says to me quite early on, is when... When it goes to night, nothing else matters. The mountains black out. There's nothing to distract you. And all you have is your little bit of light from your head torch. And that's what I needed. I needed to just focus on taking that next step. Because when I looked out in in the daytime and saw the mountains ahead of me and the distance that I still had to go, It was so overwhelming that you know i felt like for the whole 54 hours i had an angel on one shoulder and a devil on one shoulder and the angel was like you can do this this is great just eat just drink one step at a time go lucy and then the devil on the other shoulder shoulders like you're pulling out right away you're so stupid what are you doing this is dumb people are going to think you're crazy you're going to hurt yourself you're not good enough to do this and the mental capacity to listen to both both voices and to choose positivity for that long. I do not say that I chose it the whole time, but that's what really kind of took all my energy. And I don't think it's something you can train for until you're in that position and you're kind of going, oh my God, okay, I got this. Take a deep breath, Lucy. You know, let's just chill out a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, did you do any like a longer run or st- sort of preparation? i I don't really know how you can actually train or prepare this type of events, but like did you do any similar training on not on the Laura Pinto trail, but on a similar terrain that uh, maybe you have close to home?
0: No, so let me tell you, this is something that I wish was more portrayed in the film is mm-hmm. that going into this uh, project we were in lockdown and in Melbourne oh, uh, yeah. Melbourne Australia we were allowed one hour of exercise five kilometers from home and I live not in the mountains nowhere near a trail so I was running just the roads for one hour a day so I was doing seven hours of running a week like that is not enough to train for a 230 50 kilometer run yeah definitely But my coach, when I said, I want to do this and I'm going to take any chance that comes with the lockdown easing, he said, you know, Lucy, when you go past that kind of 100K distance and you're choosing not to race, okay, you're just choosing to complete it. It's less about being fit and it's more about being uninjured and being stoked. And this was kind of like such a key for me. It was I'd had all this time off from not racing in 2020. And I was like, I'm not injured because I haven't been able to outrun myself. And I was stoked because I was finally doing something I was passionate about and was super excited about the people, the place I was going. And I, it doesn't matter what your VO2 max is when you're doing that or what pace you're hitting on your 1K efforts. No, that's not, that's not important. What's important is that you are loving what you're doing and you're doing it because you love that what that moment that you're in and so i was focusing more on mentally being ready because i was not physically ready
1: yeah and so mentally you felt like you were ready and of course it was challenging but eventually uh the the angel on on your shoulder prevailed on on the devil on the other shoulder
0: (laughs) absolutely
1: yeah (laughs) cool yeah um i think yes maybe the difficulties of the pandemic and uh, the period before uh doesn't show much in the movie but it's definitely something that uh, one can consider when we think about the period that you've done this uh this challenge that's uh that's another uh cool thing about the uh, about the project can you take us through the logistic aspects of the of this challenge and, and also um, the movie um, making and direction and the filming and everything.
0: Yeah, so the logistics of getting to Alice Springs and getting to the Larapinta track is that I flew three hours to Adelaide and then drove in a car with the two boys um, for two days up into the middle of Australia. So we got into our third state or territory in Australia and then we spent two weeks there. Um, it, we were meant to do the run in the first week, but with the weather, we couldn't. And so we ended up postponing to the second week. And then the logistics of the run was that Josh and Brian, um, so Brian was the videographer, Josh was the photographer, but they also had to wear hats of crew member, friend uh, kind of communications. (laughs) They were like everything. Yeah, I think that
1: shows really well in the movie and it's something I wanted to ask you later.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they were incredible. I mean, I think they were more exhausted than I. I had the easy job to be completely honest. But so I saw them every eight-ish hours um, due to just kind of being able to get into the track and them not having to hike for days on end to find me. Um, And so they saw me kind of three, four, five times Josh joined me for the second night because uh, I started to (laughs) hallucinate quite badly. Um, And then we drove the two days back home after finishing and then flew the three hours back to Melbourne. So it was quite a condensed uh, two weeks. And then the filmmaking process, initially this film was meant to be eight minutes. It was meant to be this real short, punchy, Salomon TV more, I think more aesthetic was what they were after. If you look at Solomon TV, it's genuinely Killian or Emily or Anna Frost or Ricky Gates, and it's it's beautiful and it's told really well. But when I was looking at the footage and I was talking to Brian, I was like, I feel like there's so much more here. There's so many parts of this story I want to tell, and I want to make sure we do justice to what is Solomon's first Australian film. And as an Australian athlete, I'm super proud to be able to front that. Um, But I kind of said, there is more to this. And so it kind of just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And Brian would pull out a new memory card and stick it in. And we were like, oh, that's really important. Oh, we need to show that. (laughs) And, you know, it was kind of getting bigger and bigger. And I was like, this is going to be like a full film. (laughs) And uh, it was kind of one of those beautiful things where, Brian was super passionate and really like, this is good stuff. Like we need to show this. And I was like, got to make this happen. And Solomon came to the party and said, yeah, like go wild. And, you know, we've still been in lockdown through the editing process. And so Brian hasn't had a bank of work that he needed to do. So he was able to work lots on it. And I was obviously just sitting around doing nothing apart from some jogging and recovering. So we kind of just let this beautiful thing flow and kind of grow on its own. And it's, uh, it's really incredible to, uh, from eight minutes to 43 minutes. It's, uh, it was quite <laughs> a job.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that. Um, so basically like Brian and joss only saw you for four or five times over 230 kilometers.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <Wow. laughs>
1: Wow. Cause like a uh, it I thought like uh yeah, most sections were probably 40 to 50 kilometers that we were you were running before meeting them again, right?
0: Yeah, it was kind of like that that's exactly right. It was like a marathon to 50 Ks. Mm-hmm. Um and it was like when we we're talking about terrain, when we started, it was quite mountainous. And so that was quite slow going. And then there was a middle section that we thought that will be quite fast. And we were told by um, a lot of the locals, they were like, oh, this is all like riverbeds, quite easy running. Um, You'll be sweet. But like I said, there was lots of rain. And so those riverbeds became rivers. And so there was no running. And in fact, I was swimming. So I swam for uh, up to three kilometres through one gorge. And I was, uh, yeah. Well, you would know with your swimming practice what that's like.
1: <laughs> well, you're used to it, but uh, you know it's.
0: Yeah, I got my Iron Man in, really.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: So I, uh, I would swim holding my phone above my head because I didn't have everything in a waterproof, and I would just use my arm and doggy paddle my way through. But a lot of sections took a lot longer than we envisioned, especially towards the end.
1: Hmm, wow. That's uh, that's impressive. That's super impressive. And how did you manage the um, hydration and nutrition uh, through all the sections of the trail?
0: Well, not very well. If you watch the film, not super well.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's some parts um, that definitely I didn't want to tell uh, the, our listeners uh, in advance, but it was a, a kind of struggles in some part. Um, but like, uh, did you have a strategy? Did you have something planned or were just, uh, of like, of course, maybe you made some mistakes because, uh, for example, in a part of the movie, you thought you didn't need water. Uh, well, actually it took a lot longer than you imagined and, uh, you would have needed more water to cover that section of the trail, for example, was there, a, a strategy or something planned or was, uh, you know, a little bit um, unplanned
0: <laughs> i felt like i had a plan mm-hmm. and just like in every altar i've done my plan has gone amazing for maybe five ten kilometers an hour maybe two hours if i'm lucky and then it's kind of like thrown in the air and been like you know what whatever will sit in my stomach is great um <laughs> and so what kind of turned out happening was that I was carrying kind of like spring energy gels and muesli bars and maybe like a wrap or something with me between for the eight hours between seeing the boys but what I found really was good was that when I saw the boys they always had like a hot curry or um, oats or something just warm and normal food and I wasn't moving fast so I could eat a pizza and I just walk off and I was like all right see you in eight hours guys you know (laughs) and I kind of loved that I loved that it wasn't like really like sugary and just like well we need to just pump her full of sugars to keep her through it was kind of like I want to like nourish myself through this because this is not a race yes um so We kind of, yeah, the strategy turned into, I would have like something real wholesome, really feeling quite dense with the boys. And then I would kind of try my best to keep up with something to eat on the way. But when you're navigating and then you're trying to like run and put your feet in the right place and you're trying to like focus on all these other things, I really found that nutrition kind of went to the last point, especially as I started to not be hungry, um, but yeah, you know, I was kind of, when I could see water, I would fill up and drink that water and do my best, but it's not the best laid plan. And I wouldn't suggest to anyone to be as like Meh, about it, but I also kind of like, it's very me to do that. I've done that. I think at Western States, I've done that yeah. every race I've done. I've been like, yes, I'm going to have a gel every 45 minutes. And then <laughs> it gets to like, you know, the second 45 minute, I'm like, ah, no, nah, I'm good. Like, I really don't want that.
1: <laughs> yeah. But you know, like, as you said, this was not a race and then this is you, like you wanted to do it your way. So it's, it's understandable and it's, I mean, there is, yeah, you can improve of course, but, uh, it's part of the, the experience I think. And, uh, that's another cool thing about, uh, this project, I guess. Um,
0: Yes, I had a lot of watermelon, that's for sure. That was my (laughs) (laughs) non-negotiable.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's also very Lucy's style. (laughs) Um, There's also a couple of other themes that I think uh, really stand out from watching the movie. Um, One is uh, the relationship, uh, the friendship with uh, the filmmakers, Brian and Josh. and I think it started way back, bef- way before the this this project was born. So, can you tell us a little bit about Brian and Josh, uh, where your friendship started, and also the fact that uh, you picked two men uh, to be out there with you, like uh, there was not another woman on on the team. Like, how did that make you feel, um, and why did you? Did you just pick them to come with you
0: yeah i love this question um so i met josh and brian on a hiking trip in tasmania so the little wow. island that comes off australia and i met them in january so we did this project in march so we didn't know each other all that much and okay. we spent 10 days hiking in tasmania together and then Uh, uh, Between the two projects, I was like, When are you free? Uh, I want to do this run that I mentioned to you on the hike. And you both were kind of like, Oh, that sounds cool. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. you were like, That's a stupid idea. You know, good luck (laughs) with that. It was like, Oh, yeah, like I'd love to. I've never been there. I'd love to shoot it. And I guess I'm a huge believer in people coming to your life for a reason, a season, or the whole thing. And I felt like on this hiking trip, you know, when you're hiking and you're, walking for days on end people have broken down to their true selves and you can see through the bs that you kind of get bombarded with in life and i just had these conversation with these guys both josh and brian at different times where i could be completely honest and completely myself and when it's when the hiking sucked i said it sucked and they'd share their food with me and we'd kind of just, I don't know, we just worked together as a team and we'd, we'd walk together. We could talk about absolutely nothing for hours and hours on end. And I just, I guess I just had this intuitive feeling of like, your vibe attracts your tribe and these guys, they get me. But it was definitely risky. You know, when we packed the car up in Adelaide and we started driving I was kind of as we drove off, I was like, wow, you know, I had really hoped these guys can put up with two weeks of us all together. But it was just the most beautiful thing. It was when you back something like that and when you just remain true to yourself and you're honest and you communicate they were all things that we really kind of we all sat down and was like right this will only work if people voice concerns raise issues um have each other's back you know and just like we all had our role and we all backed each other into that you know i'm not going to tell brian how to shoot a video he's not going to tell me how to run and it was just an incredible thing i think what's interesting is that brian had never seen an endurance event, he'd never seen something like running like this. And Josh comes from more of a road running background. Um, and so when things hit the fan and I look visibly distressed and awful, I would, ex—I they kind of were like, oh, you look great, keep it up, you're doing good. I guess this is just like part of the thing. Like you just, you look a bit crap, but you'll get better, like it's fine. And I think it's so interesting, like when I watch the film, if I was in their position, I would have pulled that person out. Had it been <laughs> had it been me, had it been my friend, I would have been like, oh my gosh, we're we getting stopped. off the trail. <laughs> we, you need to stop. And, uh, you know, my dad, he watches the film and he's like, when Brian called me and said you were dehydrated, he did not paint this picture. And I think, that you know because I couldn't see myself and I was just looking for their reaction of me and they were kind of like oh yeah you're good yep oh sweet we'll just get you some water change your t-shirt you'll be good I I think that like watching the film back for me is like an incredibly weird experience because in that moment I didn't feel as bad as I looked but I thought that if I looked that bad they would have stopped me and so it was like this incredible relationship where I had all my trust in them. I was like, oh, if you think I'm good, I'm good. I'll keep going. Great. Like, I'm obviously fine. And, uh, you know, they were so incredible with the way that they put on all these hats and learnt all these things. And four-wheel drove into these places in the night and set up fairy lights so that I had something to see in the distance and then heated up some curry on the stove at 2 a.m. and minimally slept and also managed to capture this all on footage. So they were just incredible human beings and people that I know will be in my life forever um and I'm just so incredibly grateful and then on the side of having a not a female on the team yeah I think you know I've openly spoken about on social media that I get along with guys a lot better and I always have it's always been I think with my brothers and I've always kind of been able to to have, not have that competitiveness that i find that can be in the female it's in the male space as well but for females it's a lot more behind the back type thing
1: yeah probably for for men is most of times is more open uh and doesn't run behind the curtain like uh for a lot of girls
0: yeah and if if it was in front of the curtain for a girl i i love communication is Like the happiest thing for me, if someone says to me, I have a problem with this that you do, or if you can just like, can we talk about this? I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Like, this is great for me to grow and learn and like maybe talk about why I do things the way I do. And when I the reason why we shifted the time that the project started, one was the weather, but two was because I had my period. And to, I was kind of like, oh, do I like tell them or do I just kind of go, yeah, it's raining a lot. Like we should not go. But I was like, no guys, like I have my period. We've got like four days that we're just like, this is not going to happen. And the way that they responded to that was like, cool. No worries. Like we'll get that you're like, might be a little grumpy here and we'll just make sure you've got lots of food on hand. And it was kind of like these, these barriers were broken down of like, we got your back no matter what, no matter what time of the month it is, what day of the year we're here for you. And I haven't felt that and been as confident um, in that kind of situation, but there was kind of no other option. And I loved that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Uh, thank you for this, these words. And uh, it's pretty incredible to like see how, because I think like the bonds that develop on such a, such a hard effort such a you know wild experience in some ways um are like super strong and people are actually uh revealed for what there are in their inner self and like to think that you've only knew um josh and brian for maybe two months before the before the laura pinta is pretty incredible and uh, it shows. It shows like a how much you can trust people, uh, how much they can inspire you, and uh, you know, just uh, be able to back each other, as you said, and empower each other. And uh, I don't know. It's it's just a great feeling that it gave me. Um, thinking about the movie and uh, also listening to to your words, it gives like a a kind of hope in humanity. When we see, you know, a lot of bad things happening all the time, um, the competitiveness that you talked about, um, also in the sport, uh, it's not always easy to, to get along with athletes and with all the people related to the sport. But this is like a, I don't know, a story of, uh, simplicity and just friendship that shows clearly. and is stronger stronger than everything else i think
0: yeah and i think you know i think it comes across like i lead a lot by my heart like i'm a completely honest and raw person and i think that you know, like this is the first time I'm meeting you and here I am just being like, this is everything about me and what that experience was like. And it's because when you radiate trust to someone and they respond with openness and like they'll listen to you, you talk, you know, I'm sitting here watching Zoom and being like, man, he's like totally letting me speak my truth and listening to me and asking questions and generally interested and like, that's that's the beautiful thing. When you find someone who's like, I actually care about you. I actually want to know how you're feeling, what you want to do. What are your dreams? What are your goals? I'm not going to tell you you're stupid or crazy. You know, like whether it's virtually or in person, that is so incredible. And I think that there's a lot of those people in the sport, but they tend to be the quiet ones listening, not the ones yelling on social media. And I think that's like there is really good in humanity it's just that yeah the loud ones are usually not the ones
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh thank you for these words uh like sometimes it's so easy to judge people and judge each other's uh while we should you know remember to just listen to each other and be genuinely genuinely interested in what we do and who we are um totally so this is another great part of the movie that I think uh besides the you know the challenge the nature the running part is a is a really cool thing Thank and uh, another thing is uh that kind of stands out is uh the relationship with your dad uh which you also mentioned uh, during this uh, this talk um your dad has clearly been clearly been very important for your running car- career and also for your development as a as a person probably uh, during the movie at night um you call your dad on the phone and uh while well, you were like kind of crying and uh, he says stop crying you're wasting water <laughs> and it, it was like a, a kind of funny story that I wanted to to mention um like as it what what does it mean for you to have such a strong relationship with your dad, and uh, you know, to have done 100k with him? And what was, for example, his uh, his impression, his uh, his response um, about this challenge?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm fully aware of how special it is to have such a connection with my dad. Um, I know some people are not so lucky but the Lyra Pinter was actually, well, not the Lyra Pinter itself, but for me to go and do something really long, but chasing back to my original curiosity and my passions, he kind of said, Lucy, you know, I was in a really bad place in 2019. I raced Western States, but I wasn't present there. I wasn't super into it. Um, I completed it, but I didn't love it. And it was really challenging for me. I then pulled out a CCC at UTMB and kind of had to tell people that it was, you know, it's a mental health. Like I'm fine physically. I've got no injuries. It's just that my head and my heart are not in this. And so I think that when we went into lockdown in 2020, I had an opportunity to be locked into four walls with my dad, but also to kind of just uh, reassess and think about what I want to do and if I wanted to change things up. And he was kind of there to, to soundboard and to listen to things. And he kind of said, you know, you, I think you need to go back, like way back, 10 years back and just do something that excites you and scares you and you're passionate about and you want to do and you want to be there. And, you know, when I call my dad in the film, I'm 30 kilometers in. So essentially I had 200 kilometers to go and I call him the first time. So I actually end up talking to him twice on this one ridge that I knew from the locals that it had one bar of reception. And just before that, I tripped and I fell the first time that I fell on the track and I cut my hands, cut my knees, cut my face And I remember getting up and and the dusk and looking out and seeing that I was just in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, what on earth am I doing? I can't do this. Like, should I just go back 30 kilometers and try and get hold of Josh and Brian and get out of this? And I instinctively, you know, my first thing in life is call dad. You know, it sounds like the young girl's thing to do, but I was like, I just need to hear him because he grounds me and he centers me and he just knows me. I wouldn't listen to anyone in the world say what he says to me. And he said to me, You know, he said, Lucy, it's gonna get dark soon. And whenever you've raced and it's been dark, you've loved it. You've loved that it's made everything else disappear and you focus on your next step. And to hear that from him, I was like, All right, I'm just gonna get through this first night. And he said, If you stop at the end of the first night, you've achieved an amazing thing. You've seen some of the trail, you've done something cool. You can have a sleep and go back the next day, go back and just start again the next day um, from that same point. And so I got through the night and then I also called him when I was dehydrated. And that's when he said about, stop crying. You know, you got wasting tears, you're wasting water. He was like, if you're gonna cry, lick the tears up, you know, (laughs) like whatever you gotta do. But it was kind of, you know, he was sitting on the couch at home with our puppy and he was just like, I can't do anything to help you here, Lucy, but I can tell you that it doesn't matter. You know, at the end of the day, you know, one of my favorite sayings in the world is Hakuna Matata from The Lion King. You know, it means no worries. And I think that we forget that running's cool running's great but at the end of the day on your tombstone is it going to say the time you ran the golden trail series what position you came what time you did the liar pinter in no I hope it says you know she smiles a lot and she made people happy or she inspired and I think that for him to say that it was kind of like oh my god Lucy like get out of your head and get into your feet and just move through this like you know how and, uh, yeah, like I say, there's just no one else that could say that, that would bring me to that kind of, um, understanding yeah. and to listen to it. But, uh, yeah, I'm forever grateful for the 60 year old man who, uh, <laughs> seems to be by my side all the time, even when I'm so far away.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's super cool. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for covering this as well. Um, in the movie, there are also parts of a podcast that you recorded with Dylan Bowman, which is, uh, pillars where you mentioned that you've thought about quitting the sport, um, probably back in 2019, 2020, as you said, quitting the, the sport and like living what many would define as a normal life, like, uh, go to university or get a nine to five job, five days a week. But there is something that keeps you pulling towards the outdoors, the nature trail running, and probably your real nature and personality, which I don't think you can just decide to put into silence. Do you feel like you want to, like you have unfinished business in the sport of trail running? Uh, like what are your dreams and self-expectation concerning racing and future projects related to trail running?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, whenever, whenever anything gets hard, I feel like there's always that slither of a thought of, should I just stop? Like, should I not do this? And I think, you know, when I've met my school friends at their 18th and then their 21st birthdays and they've all become lawyers and doctors and these certificates coming out of university and every year I've rocked up to these parties and been like, yep, still running, you know, and it's like, what have I got to show for this? Like, why, why am I doing this? And I think that, you know, what keeps bringing me back is that if I never had to race another day in my life, I would continue to run. I don't need racing. I don't need bibs. I don't need trophies. And I don't need sponsorships. What I need is people to run with, places to visit, and that like healthy, sustainable and unwavering love for what I'm doing. And I think that, you know, moving forward and after doing the Lyra Pinter, I realized that that's what I'm going to chase. I want to chase the things that set my heart on fire and, you know, connect me with people that I never otherwise meet and go to places that I would never otherwise go. And I think that that's kind of you know, I don't know what the future holds. And I've signed up for Western States 2022, cool. which is both uh, terrifying and exciting. Um, but I kind of, I want to put a bib on again. I want to be competitive and I want to run fast and, but I want to be healthy and I want to be happy. And I think that, you know, that's my uh, ultimate goal and uh, anything else is kind of the the cherry on the cake.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When uh, like a, if being happy coincides with the racing and winning races and performing, then it's great. If not, it doesn't really matter. And like, I'm very competitive. I'm, I love racing. I love putting myself into challenge and maybe sometimes even too much. I push myself. I, you know, just also maybe try to prove people that I'm good at it and I want to perform, but I also feel, really really strong the the part that you mentioned that is a lot more personal and you know it just between you and your your inner soul basically at, at the end of the day as you as you said
0: I think, um, I think you do an amazing job. You know, whilst we haven't met, I I have seen you around and I've followed along. And I think that what's important is that athletes can be super competitive and they can put their heart and soul into racing. But you've got to have other passions, be that the environment, be that podcasting, be that uh, whatever, you know, you need to, I think it's so important to just kind of have different avenues. If you like putting on projects, if you like talking and connecting to people, I think that, you know, solely basing your value on your competition, your pace, your time is just, I mean, you have a finite time of racing that you're going to be probably getting that top pedestal. Enjoy it, but then prepare for what's going to happen after. Because like me at 25, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And it's like, Lucy, your life's just beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, you know, it's fine. And uh, running will always be a part of it. In what way? I don't know. I don't mind. Um, But yeah, it's kind of, I think... I just want to show that you can, you know, like I've written a cookbook. I want to put on projects and make a movie. I want to coach at vert. I want to uh, put out messages of positivity about the way you look, the way you feel and about being healthy. And, you know, someone like yourself, you do that in a different way, but it's just as awesome because it connects new other people. And that's, what's going to build the sport is because we're interesting people. We're not just fast people.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing to to be able to build connections and like help shaping and creating this community around trail running. It's it's not just about results and uh, how fast you're racing and running. That's cool. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> so, uh, I think we're going towards the last part of our chat, and we've got some users' questions that. Uh, our Instagram followers dropped us. Um, so we, I would like to cover them a little bit. Some of them are um, about the, the, Laura Pinta trail. Um, and some of them are like, are like more, more general questions. I'm going to start with a question that I had from my side, actually. Um, what does the Laura Pinta, what does Laura Pinta mean? Does it have a meaning? Like where does the word count come from?
0: Yeah, so the Lara Pinter is the indigenous word for the Fink River, which is the river system that we follow in that West McDonald's ranges of the the of um, the Northern Territory. So it's yeah, it's for the Fink River, which is usually completely dry. Um, so it was incredible to see, you know, when the Fink River floods or is full. For the indigenous, it's a sign of prosperity and re- and growth and um, new beginnings, which I think is just so beautiful considering what went what went down on the Larapinta.
1: Cool. Thank you. Uh, then we have a question, how do you keep going when everything hurts?
0: I think there's a little bit of stubbornness that definitely uh, sinks in, but I think coming back to that why, you know, like I was prepared that this was going to be challenging. I didn't know how challenging, but, you know, it was my curiosity. It was kind of like, wow, when you're this tired and you're this far in, you're this deep into this challenge. What, where does your brain go, and where does your soul go? You know what, do, where, where to next? And I think it's I think a great privilege to take yourself to that point and to to see how you respond, because uh, I mean, yeah, not many people tap into that deep of their uh, their being.
1: Yeah. How did you recover from the Lara Pinta and how long it took you?
0: Yeah. So I probably. I didn't recover super well, to be completely honest. When I ran the Pinto, I then got in a car and drove, like I said, two days back to Adelaide, got on a plane. And that's just not ideal for anyone. Um, So my legs just puffed up. My stomach was not okay with with what had been going on. So I'd probably say for at least, I think for four weeks, my body was like, oh yeah, we're okay. But my mind was like, we hate running. (laughs) and we're going to need a bit longer um so I think I tried to run and I was like I can do the act of it but I don't feel the the excitement and the the joy of it um and I really wanted to be really mindful we were in lockdown there was no pressure to jump back into things so I think uh I got into swimming and some cycling and just kind of enjoyed the other aspects of life and movement but I'd probably say it was kind of I'd say I'm still recovering from it, to be completely honest. I think it sticks around. You know, I've listened to so many podcasts on sleep and how, you know, even just getting five hours instead of eight hours sleep is like the thing that'll kill you most next to no oxygen. And, you know, for two nights, I didn't sleep at all except for three minutes. And I think about what that did, you know, to my endocrine system and my hormones and on that deeper level than, yeah, I got a little sunburnt and a little dehydrated. I mean, there's a lot going on. So I think that that's going to take a little bit to to come out of, but it's been awesome to have that opportunity to just kind of put my hands in the air and go, "Body, you do you, you know what to do, and uh, I'll let you guide me."
1: Yeah, give yourself time is uh is super important after you know a big race, a personal challenge, whatever, like a big effort. Your body needs time, and it's probably more than you actually think you need. So it's always like, it's great to. Kind of be in this type of perspective that you are in then we have some questions concerning uh tips for training in the heat and humidity and how did you survive extreme dehydration
0: yeah okay so tips for the heat is kind of i always focus on the things and this was the same going into like western states which is a race renowned for its heat um for me i've always focused on the things i can control and the things i can't control and so things like weather are things you cannot control but people are obsessed with talking about the temperature and looking at their phone and predicting the future (laughs) and i think like for me i'm like all right i've got my effort and my attitude two things i can control my effort being how much i put How much effort I put into preparing myself to stay cool, my nutrition, my hydration, the clothes I wear, the hat, the sunglasses, um, how I prepare myself. My attitude is instead of, I believe that the psychological way that you look at weather and you deal with adversity is so important. So if you say to yourself, oh my gosh, it's so hot, I can't do this, I'm getting like fried out here. Of course, your body's like wants to put you to a standstill and lie you down in a bag of ice. But if you're kind of saying like, I'm good, I'm okay, I'm just going to make sure I keep eating, keep drinking, oh, there's a river, I'm going to put my hat in there, cool myself down, you have this attitude of like, you're good body, we're sweet, we're happy. You can put a smile on your face to physically do something. But your effort and your attitude are kind of two things that are your superpowers. When you have things like weather and humidity, There's only so much you can do. I mean, the best runners in the world aren't doing anything but eating, drinking, and keeping cool themselves. It's not rocket science. Um, And then what was the second question?
1: Like, how did you survive extreme dehydration?
0: Oh, same thing. Like, I was like, (laughs) all right, what can I do? I can try and find water. do Do My best. And it was kind of like, you're going to be okay lucy like just positive self-talk and just you know like focus on what you can control you can't control that you have no water so don't worry about it stop telling yourself how bad that is
1: yeah and your regrets on not stopping to sleep longer to help with the navigation
0: Yes. So sleep or sleep deprivation and that kind of thing is totally new to me. And I had no uh, method or process or plan. I, you know, you talk to people like Courtney water, and she's kind of got these micro sleeps and she's trained her body that she can kind of have a 30 second nap and it feels like a few hours. And I didn't do that. I kind of just went into the point of like, I cannot go no more. I will collapse and fall asleep. And that's, that's not smart because if you nap earlier you're probably gonna have a lot more because once i did nap i got up and i ran instead of walked and it was like oh my gosh why didn't i do this earlier (laughs) you know (laughs) all it takes is three minutes and i'm like a new person with a little more range in my legs and a spring in my step um so i would definitely have naps you know like even just a minute uh in the first night when you're kind of like oh i'm still good i'm still good it's like just stop for a second you know this isn't um formula one you're not like pit stop and straight out it's like take a minute take what you need uh close your eyes center the body shut down the mind and refocus and then go again so i would definitely adjust that
1: cool uh Then like we have a question, how many kilometers did you do without seeing anybody and how much water were you carrying? Uh, Like you said, you were basically doing between like around the marathon uh, for each each sections of the trail. Uh, How much water were you carrying with you?
0: So I was carrying two liters, um, so four 500 mil flasks and I knew that there were sections that I could fill up my water. So between those eight hour sections, I was probably drinking like three liters, um, which kind of felt like a lot, but it was never gonna be enough, you know? So um, yeah. And then in the section where I screw up, uh, it's like a liter and it's it's a bad time.
1: (laughs) That's that's because you were expecting to find more water on the trail though, right?
0: Correct, yeah.
1: Um, how do you break out of the self-doubt through parents and smash the challenge <laughs> Smash <question>. the
0: challenge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think i think it takes 10 years of really challenging situations being in moments so many races where i've not met my expectations where i've had self-doubt where i've had to instead of looking at it as a failure look at it as a learning and i think that you know it's kind of like running downhill, right? The more you do, the more you're in that situation, the better you get at it. And I think that the more times you put yourself in uncomfortable situations, which make you question life and question why you're doing this and the direction you're going, the better you get at kind of going, cool, like that's a thought. And that's something that like my mind is conjuring up. And I can either believe that and take that as the truth, or I can also question it and maybe even reject that thought and say like actually that's not true like i am strong and i am ready and i'm not in like a terrible place that's i'm never going to come back from and i think that you know when i did that western states in 2019 and i had incredible self-doubt incredible low self-esteem incredible challenge ahead of me to run 100 miles feeling like that When I finished that race, I was like, nothing, nothing will be as hard as that Um, to stand on a world stage and to put yourself through it and then to finish and read comments about yourself, which were just totally uh, so uh, inhumane and incredibly rude you know, you can choose to believe that, or you can choose to reject it. And I think that like when self belief comes into question, it's up to you to kind of say, I know me, I know my truth. I am who I am and nothing else really matters. And I can control the thoughts that come in and the thoughts that go out.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That is a a super nice perspective. (laughs) Then we got a couple of more general questions. Uh, One is. What do you do on days you don't have the desire to get out there and run?
0: Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) I, you know, it's a fine line. And I think any athlete will say that you do have to sometimes just say, when I get out the door, it will be good. You know, like I can do this. I know that I'll feel better when I come back. And you always do. Like I very rarely have I come back from a run and been like, well, that was a waste of 30 minutes or an hour um but then there is a time and a place to be like you know what i haven't slept well i've been pretty stressed i don't like i really don't want to do this and i'm gonna to choose to honor that and i'm gonna to choose to rest in order to play another day and i think that that's a really important decision to make and it's something that you need to sit with you shouldn't feel guilt for missing a run and you shouldn't feel like you need to make up for it later or something you know you have to be content with your decision and I think for me, what I usually do is this 10 minute rule. It's kind of something I just made up and I stuck with for 10 years now. And it's like, I'm going to get out. I'm going to put my shoes on and I'm going to run for five minutes down the road. If after five minutes or sometimes 10, if I'm still being like, oh, this is the worst, then I'll turn around and I'll go home. And so I've run for 10 or 20 minutes. And that's something that's a brick in the foundations of being an athlete usually after five or 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like loosening up, feeling better. Wow. What a beautiful day. The sun on my skin, the air in my hair. And I keep going and it will be however long a run it feels like it should be. But kind of that 10 minutes is just like, I've given myself an opportunity. I've given myself the space to either grow into it or to be like, well, it's not happening today, but at least I did something. And I think that's kind of Something I've always lent on is like, if it's a ten minute run, it's still a run. There is no minimum distance, time, or pace. Just getting out the door is a win uh, every morning.
1: True. So, get give yourself an opportunity. Nice. Yeah. Perspective. Last question: How far do you let Kenny running with you? is <laughs> <laughs> your dog. For those who don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Tani is good for about, she's probably really good for five kilometers. She gets very tired at 10 kilometers. She, um, when we got her, we thought we had the running dog. We thought she was a bit of Kelpie, this cattle dog, really running athletic dogs. And we were like, she's going to run ultra marathons with us. What it turns out when we got the genetics test, because she's a rescue is that she's not those running dogs. She's actually Rottweiler, which is, probably one of the laziest dogs and so you know me and dad we drag her out for a little half an hour uh, jogs and just you know I went for a run with her the other day on some hills and she's never really run on the hills and she it was the most joyful thing I've ever experienced I was just so in love with watching her sheer joy for running and then get to a hill and be like we're going up that like I'm done <laughs> Yeah.
1: Cool. <laughs> Thank you. So we've got to the end of our conversation. Uh, I'm super happy. Like it was a great learning experience for me, too. Uh, like we do the same sport in some ways. Uh, you're a different athlete, a different person from me. But I felt like, like really rewarded and inspired by this conversation. And I hope it will inspire our listeners and um, our community in birds. So thank you again, Lucy.
0: Well, I can't thank you enough. And I'm so stoked (laughs) that I finally got to connect with you. And, you know, maybe one day I'll do a short (laughs) distance.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. And uh, keep following us and uh, have have a nice run. Have a nice day, everyone. Bye.
0: Hey!